I guess you have to be somewhat entertaining. I always tell people, if you can make people laugh, cry, think, or groan, those are like the the four things. And if you're not doing those four things, then you're probably educating them or you're entertaining them. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing out there today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 48 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Wow, it's actually number 48 already? Yep, we are just four weeks away from the one-year mark. Can you believe it? That is fantastic. You've kept me at this for almost a full year. The question is, can he do it for another full year? Well, we are debating on uh, how we're going to approach the big one-year anniversary episode. Yep. And we're debating on how to approach the you know the following year right we don't do seasons i know seasons is a big thing with podcasting but we're all in one season it's us i think it's you know? continuous it's the never-ending story correct yes yes it is <laughs> so did you uh, ever watch that movie the never-ending yeah story? you know i have it on dvd just out the hall never-ending uh, story i saw it in the theater yeah that's how old i am I by did the too. Way. no i saw it in the theater too i liked the dragon Oh, yeah. It was like a dragon worm. Uh, what was I his don't know. name, the dragon? I don't movie. know. He was just very soft looking. Was it Falcor? Yes. You're so good. And Atreyu. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, you have all of this good knowledge. You plug all of these and little the big, fun facts and away. Do you remember the big turtle mountain he talked to that sneezed on him and he blew his... And, yes. And he made him fall out of the tree yes. in the mud? Yes, I do remember that. What's the turtle's name? I don't know. I should remember. Paisley, that. it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's our pet, our pet turtle's name. But uh, we're excited to have you all back with us for episode forty-eight. Thanks for hanging with us last week when we had a double feature episode forty-seven plus the bonus episode of the road trip recap. That's right, our road trip of our recent vacation we just went on to uh, Vegas and then to Utah and then back to Vegas and then back to here. Right. And so, Chris, have you recovered yet? You're back to work this week, right? Oh, gosh. It was like dragging my feet this week at work. <laughs> I was like not feeling, especially the first day, really not feeling it. Yeah. But did you make it through? I did because today is Saturday. So <laughs> we're back to the next weekend. So here we are podcasting for you all. You're welcome. You're all welcome. You're also welcome. And we are happy to be back with you. And I have some big news for everybody. Ooh, big news to tell. What is it? What is it? What is it? Well, it is a, a big celebration. And I'm very excited to report. Oh, I love celebrations. I know. I'm very excited to report that last night while Chris was away at work and I was kiddo free, I completed and submitted for feedback my final of the first three chapters of my dissertation. Wow, that is fantastic. How many chapters are there total? Well, there will be five, but the first five. three comprise what's called your proposal. And so now that it's submitted, it's going to get reviewed. I'm going to receive feedback. I'll make revisions. And then in the next couple of weeks, I'll get to schedule and hold what's called my dissertation proposal defense. Defense. You got to defend it from somebody? Yeah. So I have a committee of three. There are three professors and um, they all have doctoral degrees and are experts in the field. And so now that I've completed these three chapters, um, I go through my rounds. And normally it's like three or four rounds of revisions. And then once it's accepted, I clean the whole document up and I create a video presentation. It's about 10 minutes and I send it off to my committee of three. 
And then they have like a week or two to review it and prepare. And then I walk through the different aspects of my dissertation proposal. And they ask questions. They ask me about my methodology, my research. They push on me a little bit to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. And at the end, you pass or you don't pass. But most everybody passes your proposal defense because you prep for it. And then at that point, I'm officially considered a candidate for my doctorate, which means I'm in the final stretch. After that final stretch, then what happens? Well, so once I become a candidate, once I I enter, quote, enter candidacy, then it's the research phase. And so, you know, I've been doing all the background work. And uh, once my proposal defense gets approved and I go through what's called IRB, it's like a, a review board to make sure that my research methodology isn't going to hurt people. Why would it hurt people? I don't well, understand. Okay, so great question. Back when researchers used to do research in their, like, I don't know, early 1900s, there were individuals at universities that would uh, hold scientific experiments and say that they were part of like a, a research study, but they actually harmed people or their findings were... Harmed people? Right, like physically harmed people, like um, drug tests, um, like pharmaceutical tests and things like that, and all in the name of science. Um, or they, the purpose of the study was to prove some type of racist agenda. And so to prevent that from happening, there's this review board at every university and every research institution that every researcher has to get passed by. Like you, you have to get approval or you can't do your research. So once okay. I get my proposal defense passed and I go through the board and I get authorization, then I get to start doing my research for my study. But the first three steps don't involve that at all? I don't, I no, mean, no. The first three steps are all the background work that you have to do. And it's like, I have this problem that I'm focusing on, which we've talked about, Latinas not being represented in the superintendency. But then I have to go through this whole review of literature as to why that's happening. So I have to use a research framework and then I have to investigate the root causes. So in like total... I have read 90 research studies or books on the topic to get me to the point of being able to complete the first three chapters. And then I developed my interview protocol because what you have to make sure of is that the questions you're going to ask people are actually helping to answer the question you're researching. It's not like oh, okay, okay. it's not like saying, well, I want to figure out how many people's favorite color is green, but then all of the questions in the interview are about when their birthday is. See, they're like not connected. Oh, I see. So you have to package that all together, figure it out. Uh, so you know, you've passed uh, uh, section three, you said, right? Chapter three. Chapter I've, three. I've just finished writing it. It was about a, between chapters one, two, and three. It's including my reference pages. It's 75 pages. Wow. Right. Well, well, congratulations Thank on you. writing your chapter three. Chapter four is what? So chapter four is going to be the research finding. So in between chapter three and chapter four, I have to do my research. For me, that means I'm going to have to go out and I'm going to have to recruit interview participants for my study and I have to recruit 10 of them. I have to use my interview protocol and interview each of them. All, to, all digitally, I assume, right? Not, not yeah, actually face-to-face. Through Zoom. Typically, you would face-to-face, but because of COVID, we have to do it through Zoom, and I right, have to record right. it, I have to transcribe it, and I have to take notes, and then I have to take all of that information and analyze it because that's technically data and figure out what the trends are. And from that... I start to compose chapter four. You know, this almost sounds a little bit like a news reporter for like a newspaper or article or something like that. Right. They, they do typically the same type of stuff, right? Right. Well, yes, at a very like 
basic level because they're trying to get it down to, you know, maybe a thousand words, if even that, you know, they're trying to be very concise. Mine is instead of brief and high level, it's in the weeds and detailed because the hope is that I am going to discover something through this process that might be new and novel and add a different spin that's going to shift something in how, for my purposes, Latinas are um, trained so that they have access to promote to the superintendency. Well, that sounds all very, very fantastic. But did you actually catch that? Like, did, does it make sense to you? A little bit. You know, I'll have to play this back and then I'll, you know, <laughs> then I'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so funny that you say that because my classmates and I, we talk about all the time. Like, once you can tell I get super passionate about what I'm talking about. I've been in school for it. But most of our family members, they have a basic understanding and then... We just tell them like big milestones and then they celebrate it. And they're like, yes, congratulations. Now, what again does that mean? (laughs) But that's okay because I will say, you know, thank you so much for your support. And I will say that having the house quiet in the evenings, like while you were working and kiddos were gone, I was able to get so much work done. And it's not to say I don't love having you around, but it's just like I have to make really good use of my time when I have the empty house because it allows me to get stuff like this done so we can do stuff fun on the weekends. Like this podcast. I know. We've been doing we've been doing a podcast for almost an entire year, which um, sounds like a long time. And I think in the podcasting world it probably is because there are a lot of new podcasts, especially during COVID, that started up. And these people will just like I'll make a podcast. So they decided to just throw one together. And there's a lot of them that jumped out. But um, there are people in the industry that have been doing it for a very long time. Right. And we like to listen to them and we like to learn tips from them. And I think that one of the things that I love about you, Chris, is that when you're at work, you're constantly listening to these experts in the field and learning things. And I'll get texts like um, such and such person said that we should be considering this new thing. And then it helps us to be continually growing and learning And we happened to get to sit down with one of those fantastic guests recently. Right, Chris? That's absolutely right. Our special VIP guest is an expert in the world of podcasting. Yes. He's been doing it for a very, very long time. And Mm -hmm. I do believe he is an award-winning podcaster. Yeah, he definitely is. And we'll be on with him right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a very special VIP guest on the show. He is a consultant, coach, musician, And we like to call him the godfather of modern day podcasting. Welcome to the show, Dave Jackson. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we kind of call you the podfather in our household. (laughs) Oh, see, that's, see, old school uh, podcasters will take offense to that. Oh, no. There's really only one true podfather, and that is Adam Curry, who is one of the guys that invented it. So some people would get offended. They'd be like, how dare you? Oh, wow. Well, well, thanks, Dave, for being on our show today. We appreciate (laughs) you taking the time out today. I'm glad to be here. Where in the world are you joining us from? I am in the lovely metropolis of Akron, Ohio, home of LeBron James and Devo. 
Well, congratulations on the championship. <laughs> That's quite a claim to fame. So it's LeBron James and Dave Jackson. It's a very famous city. <laughs> well, we, uh, like we mentioned, are very excited to have you on the show today. Uh, but let's hop right in. Would you mind telling us a little bit about you, yourself, who Dave is prior to podcasting? I, I think prior to podcasting, I was a corporate trainer. So I taught a lot of Microsoft Office and QuickBooks and customer service and time management and that kind of thing. And the, the fun part about teaching is about every seven years, the uh, sales staff would for lack of a better phrase, suck. And they all of a sudden <laughs> the sales would go down and they would go, ooh, we need to downsize the training department. I always wanted to go, why not hire, I don't know, sales guys that could sell? And so <laughs> I did that for about 20 years. And the one day I was teaching a Microsoft Excel class and this one student said, hey, have you ever used those two features together? And I did the teacher thing and I'm like, you know, I know both those features, but I've never used them together. Let's write it on the board and we'll talk about it on break. And I wrote it on the board and he asked his phone and got an answer. And I went, oh, I'm going to get replaced by a phone in about five years and almost no. to the day. Yeah, it was like, hmm. And so I saw that coming. And as I was uh, at that point, I'd been podcasting about 10 years. And I was like, man, I would really love to do podcasting full time. Because I've got the school of podcasting, and that's always been like a super serious side hustle. But it'd be cool if I could do podcasting and get health benefits. How, how can I pull that off? And I knew some people at Libsyn. I had done a podcast with a guy now that's the vice president. And I called him up, and I said, I got bad news and good news. And he goes, oh, I'll play. And I'm like, okay, the, <laughs> the bad news is I just lost my job. And he goes, and the good news is? And I go, I'm available to work for you. And he went, hmm. <laughs> He goes, I, I would say I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not. And it, it took about two weeks. They're based out of Pittsburgh, and I'm in Ohio. So we had to figure out some paperwork and commute. things like that. That's definitely a commute. Yeah. Well, I, that's the cool thing is I work from home. And oh, so, awesome. Yeah, I work from home, and I uh, I now get to go to all these different events where I used to have to take vacation time and things like that. And it just gives me a much wider view of kind of what's going on in podcasting. And it's still training. It's just kind of one-on-one -on -one via email. And uh, I still have the school of podcasting. That is always a super duper serious side hustle. But uh, yeah, so and I've been there now for uh, four years. So before that, I was just a teacher. So you said teacher, were you teaching like a regular public school? No, it's actually in typically in a corporate setting. So I worked for one company called Graphic Enterprises where I was part of their training uh, team. Then there was another one whose name is, I blocked them out because it was not a good experience, but I worked in their training department. And then I worked for a company called New Horizons, which at the time I thought I've hit the big time because it's a big national chain of computer teachers. And that's actually, I mean, years ago, that's where I learned computers was at a New Horizons. And I thought, man, this is, this is where you want to be. And uh, it was not where you wanted to be. And that was the last <laughs> place I was at. And so it was always some sort of corporate training place. So for our listeners that are tuning in, if you haven't figured out, Chris is a huge fan, and so am I, of Dave Jackson and his work. And I'll tell you, Dave, how I came to know a bit more about you, because Chris was consistently talking about School of Podcasting, is you happened to send us a link to an episode about um, being successful in marriage after divorce. And so can you tell us a little bit about your background as it relates to marriage and divorce? Yeah, marriage and divorce was, it sounds like it's my hobby, but I was, <laughs> uh, I've been married twice. I've been divorced twice. And if you can, if I'm good at anything, I'm good at having friendly divorces. But <laughs> That's my, a good one. Uh, 
Yeah, my my first marriage lasted. I was with her for 15 years. We dated for five years. We were married for 10. And unfortunately, we spent ourselves into bankruptcy trying to have a kid because she had some some issues. She had one ovary, which I knew when I married her, and a couple other things. And it just finally a doctor looked at us because we had just we were putting uh, fertility treatments on credit card. Wow, uh, is that, is that I, expensive? That, Oh, it's it's thousands of dollars, and it was every time we did it, I'm like, this is really a bad idea. Like, this is <laughs> we really shouldn't do this. But you know, when your wife is crying and wants a baby, and so do you. Oh yeah. And and so finally, this one doctor looked at us and just said, I, I hate to like you guys can't conceive. Like you know, it was either that there was like one other uh, sort of treatment that was like ten grand a pop, and we couldn't even you know sniff that. So uh, so when that happened, unfortunately, because we were so far in debt. I took a different position at my job that had me travel. And looking back, I go, oh, that was the dumbest move ever. Right when my wife really, really needed me, I took off. You know, oh, I'd be wow. home, like, I'd be home maybe four days, and then I'd be gone for three, and I'd be home for four, you know. So I wasn't gone all the time, but I, I should have been there. And so looking back, I can go, yeah, okay, there was mistake number one. And unfortunately, uh, she became an alcoholic. She had that in her family, and all sorts oh, of no. other things ensued. Yeah. So that was that was uh, marriage number one, and it just came to the point when we, when we got bankrupt, it was a matter of how we were going to save the house, and that's when she admitted she had cheated on me, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's enough wow. of that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm sorry, man. That's that's horrible. Well, it's it's fine. I talked to her last week. You know, we're we're still friends. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where we we both kind of look back and go, "Wow, we just got dealt a really bad hand in a way." And it's like so. And I'm really happy she's got a, a guy that treats her great. And I'm like, that's awesome. My second marriage, uh, I think we both kind of married the idea and not the person. And by that, I mean, wow, here's somebody that both of us wanted somebody who goes to church and, and shares their faith. And for me, I was like, oh my gosh, and she has kids. Cause I, again, I wanted to have kids, never right. had the chance. This'll be fun. And I think we got kind of just tied up in the idea of like, wow, this person is awesome. And one of those, t it's funny because she later admitted, she goes, you know, I didn't realize I was doing this, but I think I bullied you into marrying me. And I go, really? Yeah, well, here's why, because we, she lived in Cleveland, I lived in Akron, which is about an hour apart. So it was this long distance thing, and I had to go back to school because, again, the sales guys went bad, I lost my job, and I went back to school to get a teaching degree because my original degree was in electronic engineering. I'd kind of just fallen into training. And so it's really easy to get along with someone when you only see them on the weekend. And I always <laughs> said, yeah. yeah, and I always said, I said, hey, um, you know, when I graduate, I need to like move to Cleveland and we need to like date kind of normal mm -hmm. and make sure we can get along. And that turned into, you need to put a ring on it uh, or I'm leaving. So right there, if somebody does that to Ooh. you, that's a pretty red flag. So I was like, okay, you know, uh, and, and then that turned into, I want to get uh, married like two weeks after you graduate and just all sorts of other things. And so once we did get married and everything was like, if I just do this, she'll, she'll, She'll be happy and I can focus on, you know, graduating. And it just was one of those things once we got married and started spending, you know, 24-7 with each other. You're like, oh, wow, there's a lot about you that I didn't quite realize. So we, to our credit, I think we were in and out of counseling for about eight years and we had been separated twice. And it was just a case where uh, the one day she said, I think we should be separated again. 
Ooh. And I said, well, I said, I'm willing to do whatever you want to do. I said, if we want to go back to counseling, that's fine. I said, just realize it's going to take both of us and it's going to take everything we have to really make this work. Well, according to her, that insinuated that she wasn't pulling her weight. And I was oh. like, just stating, I'm like, no, we both need to do that. And she said, or we could just get divorced. And I went, you know what? I'm at this point, I'm down for that. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the end of that. And I was kind of bummed because I had spent at that point eight years with my stepkids whose father had remarried, had three more kids and kind of forgot he had three to start with. Oh, yeah. And so so I had been to more school things than he had. And so I was I thought, oh, this is going to stink. We're going to get divorced and I'm going to see unfriend, unfriend on Facebook. And that's not been the case. So it's um, it, it's kind of weird to say, but last year I actually went to my ex-wife, number two, her wedding. She actually what? got remarried. Yeah. And so, so I got to hang out with the stepkids and hang out and we're, we're, we're friends. In fact, we actually get along much better because we're not talking about money. We're not talking about how to raise the kids. We're not talking about how much time I spend podcasting, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so you, you can, and it's just one of those things I value friendship a lot. And while things did not turn out the way we wanted, this is someone who kind of knows me. And yeah. it's, right. it's hard, right. it's hard to find somebody who, who really knows you. And so we all kind of just said, all right, well, we're going to go our own ways. And I would just said, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. And, and both have, and I've been able to help. And I, I got a call one day from my, uh, I still call him my stepson. I always say I divorced right. your mom. I didn't divorce you. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm going into a job interview. Like, do you have any tips? Because he knew I, it was a, a class I used to teach. And so it was kind of cool that I kind of got to be, you know, uh, it was a very Rockwell, uh, or what was that guy, Norman Rockwell, that used right. to draw all the paintings kind of moment that I kind of got to be a fatherly figure and help him out. So that was always kind of well, that's cool. That's good. So, that's good. That's yeah, so awesome. I, my, my advice uh, for you guys is realize, like, my ex-wife, number two, and for the most part, it's always number two. Number one really wasn't that bad, uh, <laughs> was, was the fact that we would start serious conversations in bed. Oh yeah. And, oh, I told Christine no <laughs> more. We put a stop to that. No yes. more. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like cuz my problem is I I go hard and when I hit the pillow, I'm out. And so I got like one eye half closed and I'm halfway to, you know, dream town and she brings up a serious <laughs> subject and I'm like this is not the time. So yeah, Christine does that too. Well, we've yeah. like, we've had to have no negotiations around that because same thing. It would like spiral. I'd get emotional because he's falling asleep and it's like, yeah. why aren't you listening? Why isn't this a priority? And then I had to talk through it with somebody not Chris to figure out like, how could I be contributing to this? And it's like, oh, Christine, have a like... We call it that after 9 p.m., no serious conversations. Like, we need to have it during daylight because after 9, we are disintegrating into the lesser versions of ourselves. Yeah. The, the other thing I always it, – it, we learn in therapy, and it's hard to do, but when somebody says something and you kind of feel that, you know, you're like, ooh, that, that one stung a bit. Instead of reacting back in a defensive mode or an attack mode, like, all right, I'm going to go for your jugular then. Instead, say, okay, why did you say that? And oh, they go, what do you line. mean? I'm like, why did you say that? Or, and if they go, what do you mean? Why did I say that? Okay, let me know. How are you feeling right now? Like, mm -hmm. what's what's going through that? That's not like you to say something like that. So let's let's dig into that. And it's a little better. And the other thing I would always say, never stand up. If you're arguing, never stand up. Wait, wait, <laughs> point at me, Christine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're preaching. Uh, you're preaching to us right yeah. now. So yeah. we we've told our listeners, and, and they kind of 
get a kick out of this that our podcast is a sort of therapy for us in that we work mm-hmm. through things as we hear from different uh, podcast guests and we bring in different hot topics. And so it helps us work through some of our own messiness behind the scenes. And so I really appreciate that advice. Chris, what do you yeah. think about what Dave said to us? Well, that sounds great. You know, I, I agree with that, you know, but not uh, bringing it to bed with you because, you know. <laughs> what, what about the other part of the not standing up during a... Uh, well, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. <laughs> it's it's tough. The, the other thing I think if I ever got back in a relationship, I would try to do, and again, all this stuff is so much easier to be said than, than done, Right. is if I was really, really mad at somebody and we're, we're down to the end of the argument. I'm like, okay, fine. Just know right now I'm, I'm really upset, but I still love you. Because mm, there are times one. when somebody, like, they're, they, they just need some space, and that can really trigger things in different people. Right. Like, you're, you're going away for good. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going away for good. I'm just, I will get over this. We're okay. We're going to work through this. I love you. Just know right now I need some space because I'm upset. And I think that would have helped because there were times when um, – they, they, we could never pull this off, but another one was timeout, where you, you feel the hair on the back of your neck is standing up, and you're. For me, my trigger when I start to get sarcastic, I knew that okay, my buttons are officially being pushed now, and I'm starting to make jokes and blah blah, and I'm like, this is not helping, and so that's when I I would go, hold on a second, if I could, I think I, we did this twice, and in both cases the other person wouldn't take a timeout because they were like, no, 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 I'm really close to proving that I'm right. Uh, <laughs> but I would say, hey, you know what? If we keep going, this is escalating in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So why, and, and the the exercise is supposed to be, you're supposed to go to your respective corners and think about the other person's point of view. Oh, which I like again, that. So much easier said than done. And we tried it a couple of times. And in both cases, one was money. I was like, no, 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 wait, just, you know, and I'm just trying to jam my opinion down her throat. And when the other time I was like, hey, you know what? This is going the wrong way. Let's, let's, let's take a time out. She's like, no, you need to see that. I was like, oh, and it's, it's sounds great. It looks good on paper. You're like, that would work. But when you're emotional and you're, it's, you know, and, and, and then and the also, other thing. It, it also ahead. helps if you have uh, more square footage. To <laughs> yes. Over, if you're in a small little one bedroom. Good luck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, that really did hit with me. It just resounded what you were saying. And one of the things that I think about is the role of empathy, that, you know, taking mm. the perspective of another person. And that's one of the things that Chris and I have been in our relationship working on is when tempers get escalated, hit pausing and saying, I'm going to share where I'm at from my perspective. Can you hear where I'm coming from in my perspective? And so those are kind of like some of our code words, not saying that we're, we're experts, but some of the things that you're mentioning, it's like we're trying to work on and we're trying to figure out the tools. So you're just giving us great language to use in our own relationships. So thanks, Dave. Yeah, it's, it's, they're not easy. And, and for, for me, I'm a very logical, like I love one plus one equals two, but when, you're married to somebody that goes, yeah, but it feels like three. And you're like, and you're like, no, look right here. One plus one equals two. And like, no, I'm telling you it's three. And you're like, no, one plus one equals two. So I had to realize that there were times that if she felt like it was three, whether or not it was true or not, I had to go with it's three. And now let's deal with that going forward with, okay, one plus one equals three. Okay. Got it. Let's move forward. So it was, it's, it's different. And, 
Um, there, the book that I read, it's, it's kind of, it's not super religious based, but it's based on a Bible verse. And sometimes that turns people off, but it's called, um, oh, and I'm drawing a blank, um, uh, love and respect. Mm-hmm. And the, the, and it paints and really some people go, oh, you're painting in too wide of a brush. But the whole thing is women, their primary language was love. They want to feel cherished. Right. They want to feel like, you know, I would dive off a cliff for you. And guys are all about respect. And so when, you know, your, your uh, wife says, you know, thank you so much for being my strong knight in armor and taking out the trash or, or whatever. I'm so, I respect you for working so hard. And, you know, when you're a husband and you're like, mm, wow, honey, you are just so gorgeous today. And I just, you know, I just love the way you do this and that and, you know, blah, blah. And it's, it's kind of interesting because when, if, if we go with that and say, okay, let's go with that. Okay. So when a woman doesn't feel loved, what does she do? Well, she acts somewhat Possibly disrespectful, disrespectful. Mm-hmm. and when go. the guy feels, yeah, yeah. and when the guy feels disrespected, how does he act? Not very loving, right? And it just they call that the crazy cycle, right? Uh, and it just kind of spins. What and it also works the other way when a guy just you know adores his wife and makes her feel cherished and secure and safe. She's like, oh, this is the best guy ever. I, I'm so happy I married you. You are the best. And I just, you know, all this respect comes out. And again, when the guy feels respected, he's like, I am married to the best wife ever. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun little dance. And, uh, you know, kudos to anyone out there, you know, in a relationship. They're a lot of fun. They take a lot of work, but they're worth it when they work. They definitely do. And, you know, Chris and I, we have both gone through messy and now somewhat amicable divorces. I mean, we're on speaking terms and Chris is friendly with his ex-wife. And so coming into this, you know, you bring baggage and trauma. And so that relationship is where you can't run from it. You either deal with it or you don't. And that helps you either be successful or not. And so we appreciate your advice. We'd like to ask advice from anybody that has been married, divorced, lessons learned. And so thank you for your sage wisdom. Oh, glad to share. So now moving forward, you mentioned uh, spending a lot of time podcasting as one of those dynamics in your previous relationship. And you mentioned podcasting being your job. Tell us about podcasting and your life. What does that look like? Well, it's funny because my sister-in-law always thinks I'm a workaholic. She's like, you're in your office all the time. And I go, yeah, but that's also my playroom. You know what I mean? I go, yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wake up, I work at Libsyn from uh, 8.30 to 5.30. And then I go downstairs, I make dinner, I come upstairs, and I'm either on some sort of uh, interview or I'm recording my own show or I'm working on that or I'm doing consulting or something like that. And it really doesn't seem like work because when I when I first started my very first piece of voicemail, I was I was living with my brother. I'd just been divorced, and my brother said, "Come live with me." He goes, "Cause uh, you know it's going to take a while to to get back on your feet." And so I was living in his basement, and I started this whole podcast thing. And my very first piece of uh, voicemail came from a guy named. Um, uh, Michael Van Lahr, and he said, I'm from Nuremberg, Germany. Now, I'm in, at that point, Mogador, Ohio, which nobody knows where that is because <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere. It's me and the cows. And there's some guy in Nuremberg, Germany that not only found my podcast, but he liked it. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, You're I get this something. now. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, this is going to be – and I just knew then. I said, podcasting is going to change the world. I knew it then because uh, that was back in 2005, and I've just always been – 
uh, for me as a, as a teacher, I was like, ooh, you could use this to teach and you're going to get a global perspective. So that's going to be completely different. So I just knew then that this is what I want to do. And the, the first five years were brutal because when I first started, Apple iTunes had not even come out yet. It was oh, wow. getting just ready to. Wait, there was podcasting before Apple iTunes? Yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah. And I, so it was, it was bizarre. And when it came out, it was great. And it made, you know, it easier to podcast or at least to get them and things like that. But for years I'd be like, so do you guys listen to podcasts? And of course everybody go like, what's a podcast? And then they'd say, do I need an iPod to listen to them? Like, <laughs> no, you, you just need the internet and speakers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was rough first starting out. So I was also doing guitar lessons. I was also doing anything I could to, uh, keep myself in, at that point, I'd gone back to uh, school. So I was like, I need to stay in my car, in my cell phone. And luckily my brother let me live there uh, rent-free. And then I basically, he had a built-in babysitter. And, uh, you know, so it was, <laughs> it was rough, but, uh, you know, I got my degree and uh, moved on. And then just over the years, I've had different jobs from podcasting. I When I got my degree, I got hired at a college to, and they, one of the reasons I think they hired me, they said, what are your hobbies? And I said, oh, I like to podcast. And they're like, oh, you like to, like you know about podcasting? And I'm like, yes, actually, I run the school of podcasting. <laughs> and next thing I know, I got hired. And their original idea was I was going to do a podcast kind of about like how to study better and for students and things like that. And that never came to tuition. And that place was kind of a rinky-dink college. It actually mm-hmm. eventually went out of business. But then the next job I got and this sounds like I'm totally bragging and I, it's it's just it, it's okay. the way it happened. But I got a job at the uh, New Media Expo at the time it was one of the biggest kind of online events. It had YouTubers, it had podcasters, and it had bloggers. Oh, wow. And the, the guy that was running their podcast track had retired. And so the head of it, I wasn't working at Libsyn then, uh, the head of it called uh, the guys at Libsyn and said, who do you think would be a good replacement? And they said, I don't know. What about Dave Jackson? And he's like, okay. And then he called the guys over at Blueberry and they said, who do you think would be a good replacement? And they said, I don't know. What do you think about Dave Jackson? <laughs> and then they asked the guys at Spreaker and they said, I don't know. What about Dave Jackson? And he finally called me and goes, okay, I guess you're the guy, you know. <laughs> and right. The reason for that, and this is where I always tell people, your, your podcast isn't really a business. It's a business card. So all those people had been on my shows. I knew them. I met them at events and things like that. So that got me a job there. And then I went back to to teaching again. And then when that went uh, south, I mentioned that earlier, that's when I, I got the job at Libsyn. So, and along the way, the school of podcasting just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And some people are like, oh, it's a bummer that you can't just do that full time. And I'm like, I don't know. I like health benefits and I like going <laughs> right. to events for free. And it's like, it's, it's uh, for me, I'm still podcasting. So I'm super happy. So Libsyn, for those who don't know, is it's a podcast hosting uh, company, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what is it you actually do? What's your day-to-day then? We, we work there. Yeah, I, uh, I log in and then I'm basically part of their tech support. So it's, it's still kind of teaching. You know, so somebody will say, hey, you know, I, uh, I just published my first episode and I noticed it's not an Apple podcast. Well, A, did you submit your show for approval to Apple podcast? Right. And B, has it been 24 hours? So it's just a, a lot of times just teaching people about the whole mechanics of how podcasting works and things of that nature and then supporting Libsyn products. So You know, it's funny. When we first got started, I had no idea how it worked. So I recorded our first episode and I go into iTunes. I say, where is the drop-off box? <laughs> On this iTunes yeah. for our podcast. And they're like, RSS. Hey, honey, you check our RSS. Are RSS working? <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. 
The, the hardest part I have is I have to remind myself I'm doing tech support. And so if I see somebody that I feel is making a huge mistake, so let's say it's, you know, the Dave Jackson Hour show, and I see that episode one is called Dave Jackson Hour, and the second episode is called Dave Jackson Hour, and the third <laughs> episode is called Dave, I'm like, oh, you could get so much more downloads if you actually made a title that reflected what was in the episode. But that's more consulting. That's not tech support right. and that's not Libsyn. So it's kind of hard at times for me to kind of just go, all right, yes, here's how you do this. You know, kind of thing. just, just right. stick to the Libsyn stuff. Now, you mentioned School of Podcasting. So that is one thing that Chris listens to, I think, all of your episodes while he's... Well, so far, I only started listening after we made our podcast because I made our podcast, we jumped in completely blindfolded on how to do a podcast. And then after we did it, I'm like, well, maybe we should look on how to actually do it. So, so we, I feel like you are an appendage, not in a negative way to our podcast, because when we sit down to get ready to record, he says, well, Dave Jackson says, and I said, I have to meet this Dave Jackson. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about your heart and your mission behind the school of podcasting. I think the, it comes back to a couple things. If, if I, if I get on my, if we pretend we're in a, uh, a therapist's office, I were to get on the couch here. (laughs) I kind of, I didn't know it at the time, but I grew up poor. And so I always kind of felt like the odd guy out, like on the outside looking in and things of that nature. So uh, my thing is I don't want somebody to look at podcasting and go, oh, that's not for me. I'm on the outside. Like, no, no, you can come on in. Anybody can have a podcast. So that's part of it. I want to make it super easy to, to start. I think everybody has some sort of story or something they could share. And then the the other one, so it's it's kind of the scratching the the teacher itch of me, right? And then the other one is I uh, this just happened about a month ago, and I'm like that's that's really what I'm out to kill. And I was talking to someone. She said, "Well, uh, I, I was looking for podcasts, and she started one about it's super niche. It's about um, super rare diseases that like babies get because she Ooh. has a, a child that has this." Like there's a, a chromosome that's went left of center or something like that. Mm-hmm. So she was looking for shows kind of on that type of subject. And that's why she made one. She couldn't find one. And she said, and when I did find them, she goes, I just went, ugh. She goes, it was just the, the it sounded bad. People were all over the place. Nobody was focused. And I just thought, well, that's called, I call that bad content. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that's kind of what I'm out to, to rid the world of is, you know, it's, it's great when somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm going to go try this podcast thing. I'm going to go fire up whatever apps on my phone and do a search. And I just don't want them to finally go, oh, I, I love golf. Here's a golf podcast. And they hit play. <laughs> and then they go, ugh. You know, right. so my goal is to to get rid of, of hopefully really bad podcasts. So those are the the two things I think that uh, that do drive me, along with the fact that it's, it's kind of technical because I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, (laughs) It's, uh, you mentioned I'm a guitar player, so I'm kind of creative, so I can do really whatever I want. There's no board of directors to tell me what I can and can't do. Right. And, and then I get to help people. So that for me is like the trifecta. Well, you definitely do help people. I know that from listening to your podcast and listening to the knowledge that you share, if you were to listen to our first couple of podcast episodes to where we've come almost a year later, it's helped us increase quality, content, flow, focus. 
And then on the technical aspects, help us to, well, I say us, but Chris is our audio engineer. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Helps (laughs) hone him in on the things to focus in on. So just know that for people like us that wanted to use podcasting as a way to share a little bit of our journey with the world, it feels very empowering. So thank you. Oh, I'm glad to help. So I would love to know with your expertise in podcasting, do you have a favorite podcasting memory that you could share with us? Ooh, this one's easy. And, and I still don't believe it. Because again, when I first started, when I say I was living with my brother, I was in the basement. I was next to a water heater and the furnace was about three feet from that. And I had a flush pipe behind me. So anytime I recorded a podcast, I was like, please don't flush the toilet. Please, please don't flush the toilet. <laughs> and I got this email from this guy and he said, hey, I, I just want to let you know, I, I found your show and you talked about how podcasting can give you a purpose. And he went on to reveal, he said, hey, um, it, it turns out I thought I had cancer. My best friend of like 20 years had been killed suddenly. And he goes, and I was pretty sure I was going to lose my job or he had lost his job. So that was, a, he had lost his job. He thought he had cancer and his best friend had died. And he said, and I had decided that Halloween is my favorite day of the year, and I was going to take my gun and blow my brains out. Wow. And he go, yeah, and he goes, but I heard you say podcasting can give you a purpose. So I said, well, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. And he did, and he goes, he goes now obviously, you know, when you're thinking that way, he goes, I, I, I kind of got some help, talked to some people. He goes, but the podcast did give me a purpose, and now I'm growing my own community. And he goes, I just want to let you know, that I feel you saved my life. Wow. And it's it's hard to make Dave Jackson speechless, but I just, <laughs> I, I cried when I read it. I was like, wait, because it's just me in the basement next to a water heater talking into a microphone, you know, and I'm like, I, I never, never expected that. And the cool thing was, is he had his phone number and his signature. Oh, and wow. so, so on Halloween, I called him. And I'm like, hey, is this Ryan? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, this is Dave Jackson. He's like, get out of here. And I'm like, no, man, I'm just making sure you're still around. I'm like, I need all the listeners I can get, buddy, you know? And I've called him every Halloween. That's like a a yearly thing that we do. And we catch up with each other. So that's that's one that I just, you know, we we all talk about monetization and growing your network and things like that. But I never saw that one coming anywhere. And then when I've told people about it, I've heard other, like I have a friend of mine, Ken Blanchard does a a show called Speak Life because he's a a pastor. So he just started like an online church and he's had like five of those because he he deals a lot. He's uh, got a military background. And so a lot of the military guys are reaching out to him and he's, he's like, I'm not trained for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Holy cow. But so you never know what effect, you know, you could have on people. I think that's so true. And I think that, you know, going back to when you mentioned being a guitarist and a musician and a creator, uh, podcasting is a form of personal art that you're putting out into the world. And you want to know that it's seen seen as having value and impact. And so when somebody responds like that, it, it further validates that notion of, I want to know that this has purpose, impact, and, and that people are moved by it. So totally can relate to that. Absolutely. The, so, the one po- I, I do a podcast called Building a Better Dave, and I don't do it for an audience. There are times when it's just me like spewing my thoughts to the universe. It's a horrible <laughs> <yeah>. podcast. <laughs> and that at times, it, it's almost like an audio journal. And I, I know people that have done that. They're like, I don't care if anybody listens. I just need to get this out. So that's a, another way that it can, you know, kind of um, 
have benefits that really, with or without an audience, can help. Right. You mentioned benefits. There's other benefits involved with podcasting. You mentioned monetization. And you also have your new book coming out. Uh, would you like to explain a little bit about, about that? Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've written books in the past, but this was the first one that I was approached by a publisher. And they're like, hey, we noticed you have a book on monetizing your podcast, but it was from 2012. And they're like, would you want to maybe rewrite that? Well, it was great because I'd actually already started rewriting it. And uh, so it, it took a while to kind of negotiate a, a contract and kind of, you know, agree on a, a number and how does this work. And it's the first time I've ever worked with a publisher. So this, again, is where your network comes in handy because I've interviewed other authors. I know people that kind of help people launch books and things like that from my podcast. So I reached out to them and I'm like, OK, what's good and bad here? What do I need to do? So that that was a nice bonus. But yeah, so uh, the original book was called More Podcast Money. That's still available at Amazon. But this one, they, they renamed it Profit From Your Podcast, and that will be coming out in August. So uh, it was interesting because when you're a podcaster, you used to just like, it's time to record. OK, let's go and record and off you go. And when you work with a publisher, now it's, okay. this goes to the editor who then goes to the layout person who does this. And originally I said, hey, uh, I, I turned it in in September. And I'm like, so is there any chance this is going to be ready by Christmas? I don't want to <laughs> rush anybody, but you know. Uh, and they're like, oh no, this won't be out till July. And I was like, wait, how? how is it it takes nine months to make a human, but 10 months to make a book? I was like, that's wow. ridiculous. So, uh, and plus... It's kind of technology-based, so I'm like, there's going to be some stuff in here that either A, oh, is outdated, yeah. or B, other things have happened. And it's a little more of B, nothing so much outdated. I hear but it's I'm a like, brand new iPhone 4. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I am excited about it, and I uh, I gave a, uh, a kind of a preview copy to a buddy of mine, Chris Kermitzos, who runs PodFest, because Chris will let me know okay, that's no good. Or, you know, he, it's, it's, he's seen me speak and there are times like, man, that was the best. And other times he's like, that one needs a little work. So I knew <laughs> I could get honest feedback from Chris and I, uh, I sent him the PDF and he called me back. He goes, Hey, I read your book. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And he goes, dude, this is great. So oh, I was like, all right, that's, that's exciting. Yeah, that's good to hear. So I'm excited for it to come out. That's super exciting. So Profit From Your Podcast is going to be coming out in August. That's something yeah. definitely to look forward to. Now, is it only going to be in a printed version or what's going to be available for our listeners to be able to get a copy of? Hopefully by August, there will be an audiobook, And this is where I, again, I've reached out to my network. I have a buddy of mine, David Hooper, who has a book called Big Podcast, and he just got his audiobook version released. And he said, they're about a month behind. So he told me, he said, if you had that recorded right now, he goes, it would probably be about a month. So I'm hoping over the fact that next weekend is a holiday here, I was like, ooh, that means I'm going to have an extra day off. And I was like, mm, I might be able to pound this out next weekend. And then hopefully by the time the book comes out, the audiobook will be uh, ready. That's It's interesting. I've done audiobooks before for a, another book I did for musicians. And it's weird because it's your your words coming out of your mouth. But what I did differently with this book, because I knew there was going to be an audiobook, this new book is written very conversational. I, mm. I wrote it like you're sitting across the table from me, where the other one was much more worried about grammar and, you know, all that other stuff. So we don't write like we talk and we don't uh, uh, talk like we write, where the new book is very much, I, I just wrote it like I talk. So it should be hopefully easier to uh, spit out as an audiobook. Well, that's fantastic. And we are definitely looking forward to getting a copy of that book. And we just have 
one last question for you. Now, in this world of podcasting that has grown significantly since you first started, I think that I saw recently we were hitting around 1 million podcasts, active and inactive, and something like 55 million episodes available. What makes somebody stand out in the crowd? Mm, Boy, that's good. Um, Some of the things that I, I see people that stand out, if you can make content that you can't get anyplace else. So this is where you get into the almost, biz- I don't want to say bizarre because that sounds negative, <laughs> but just like there's a podcast about chameleon breeding and that guy's <laughs> audience loves him because you cannot get that information anywhere else. Um, Haley Radke does adoptees on because the only people that understand what it's like to be an adopted child are other people that have been adopted. Mm-hmm. So those kind of hyper-focused, uh, Lee Silverstein does a show called We Have Cancer and it's all about Lee should have been dead like a decade ago, he's had stage four cancer for like 10 years. Wow. And he just keeps, you know, and he said, I wanted to make the podcast that I want, that I needed when a doctor looks at you and says, you have cancer. Oh, by the way, it's stage four colon cancer. He goes, that's a death sentence. And he goes, I just, I just said, no, not, not today. And so it's, it's, he's got all sorts of tips and tricks. So if, if you can do that, that's great. Uh, then, I guess you have to be somewhat entertaining. I always tell people, if you can make people laugh, cry, think, or groan, those are like the the four things. And if you're not doing those four things, then you're probably educating them or you're entertaining them. And the best thing is when you can combine those. So uh, an example, and I, what I did was I looked at everything I consumed. So like one of my favorite shows is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm-hmm. What, what makes me laugh it educates me. So there's two out of that. Uh, when I looked at uh, The Daily Show, there's another one that, again, kind of makes you laugh, but it educates you. It's information I can't get other places. Uh, there's a show called The No Agenda Show, uh, written. It's it's hosted by Adam Curry, who's one of the guys that help create podcasting. And they dissect the media in the news. And because they have this really strong global audience, you get viewpoints that you're not getting on the stuff you see here in the States. So it's a, that one's educational, but they have all sorts of weird sound effects and stuff that make it kind of entertaining. So when you can combine one of those six things, laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain, if you can do you know more than one of those, you're on the right path. And the other day, I just watched uh, Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. has a new special on Netflix. And I'm like, this guy's my hero because he makes me laugh, think, cry in some cases when he's, mm-hmm. he's talking his latest special, right. you know, and I was like, he, he actually almost does all of them at the same time. Like within a 45 minute set, wow. I will have gone through all those different things. And I was like, I want to be Dave Chappelle when I grow <laughs> up. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that is sage advice from an expert in the field. And I don't think that I mentioned this at the beginning, but Chris has been looking forward to this all week long. You are a hero in our world as it relates to podcasting, a celebrity in our mind. (laughs) And we appreciate you taking time out of what is an arguably very busy schedule to be here with us. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your podcasts? Yeah, just go over to schoolofpodcasting.com. I've got all my content information there. All the uh, episodes are there. Anything you need, you can just go over to schoolofpodcasting.com. Well, thank you, Dave. Thanks so much for coming on our show today. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. This this was great. Thank you so much. With so many podcasts out in the world, you have a plethora of options. Take a chance with Too Many Captains, a movie podcast. 
Mixing comedy with an academic look at film and Hollywood culture, this podcast is perfect for those looking for a fresh perspective. From deep dives into classic films, to debates on digital streaming versus physical media, and film discussions based on randomly chosen topics in our What Are We Talking About segments, there's something to satisfy all your movie podcast cravings. So if you're feeling lucky or feel the need for speed, grab your shaken martini or some fava beans and a nice Chianti and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. For more content, visit amoviepodcast.com. Find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions and on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Too Many Captains, the jolliest bunch of podcasters this side of the nuthouse. Well, that was super informative, Chris. Oh, I love Dave Jackson. He's great. I know. And I called him the podfather. I, and then I didn't realize, oops, that's kind of like a um, offensive term for somebody that like wasn't that person. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but as far as we're concerned, because we're so new to this whole podcasting thing that Dave's really like a he's been doing it for so long. Right. And, and, he, and he's, he's been on a dozen podcasts and he still is, you know, and he writes books. So so we're kind of like these rookies is coming in. We'll have been here like a year, not even a year yet. Right. You know, who are we? You know, Yeah. <laughs> what I appreciate so much about the podcasting community is how um, people support one another. Like there's not competition because we know that like people can listen to multiple shows and, That's and true. Yep. people have different personalities and you're either a fit for someone or you're not. But you have people like Dave Jackson in the field who um, reach down and mentor and coach and support. And, you know, we'll get... A message every once in a while like because he knows that we're uh be like we're engaged after divorce and he'll send us like oh hey i thought this is a great episode that'll like help talk to you about like second marriages and i just so appreciate the authenticity of the community yeah that is so great it, it's all been very for us when we got on twitter twitter seems really big that i've right. noticed for for podcasting there's a lot of independent podcasts that are on twitter and they all have its big community. Everybody does the shout outs. Everybody like <laughs> right. shout, shouts out all the different other episodes, uh, other shows in a text thread. And everybody can repost that and says thank you. And it really kind of gets the word out, gets the followers out, gets the listens out. Because really what we want is downloads and people to hear what we have to share. Right. And I think that one of the things about um, being in podcasting is that you go into it for a specific purpose. Like there's very few people that say, well, I'm just going to start a podcast and just talk about whatever. Like there's people like Dave was saying that have a really unique spin on things. Like maybe they're struggling with a specific type of medical condition or uh, maybe they have a really unique set of knowledge. And I just find that I've learned so much along this journey from all of these people from different walks of life that have shared uh, with us about their podcast and um, it's just it's been so wonderful and we do this podcast for you and we have to say thank you for listening we really really appreciate that we appreciate every guest that comes on we put them on for you to enjoy and for us to enjoy and to share for the world yeah and one of the things that um, i don't know if we always mention but you know we do have a guest from a range guests from a range of different backgrounds and their interests might not align with yours, but one of the things that we really try to do is to dig below the surface so that there's something in every message that you can connect to. Because our goal with every episode is to help you live your best life and to be inspired and to bring joy and just to bring a little bit of light to your life in the midst of you know some really challenging times right now, right, Chris? Especially this whole big COVID thing. We haven't dove too much into the COVID nonsense, and we try not to because, you know, we don't need that, you know? <laughs> right. And, you know, there's 
everybody needs a little bit of levity, a little bit of lightness, a little bit of, I don't want to call it fluff, but an opportunity to be able to lift up out of the challenges that we're all facing. And we hope that, we sincerely hope that our podcast can be that for you and that you can rely on us to always bring a little bit of love, light, and laughter to your life. Amen, sister. I love it. That is a wrap. And thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back with you next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.